The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, women in shopping, something we all love to do. But did you know that there was actually more than one major shopping season each year? Well, yep, you probably did if you're paying attention. I was reading an article from Wall Street Journal Online on August 17th. The article was by Sarah Nazer. And what she was looking at was really all the various seasons of shopping that um, companies have created to try to drive the impulse purchase. Now, the number of impulse purchases have actually fallen to 15% of all purchases last year, and that's down pretty dramatically from 29% in 2008. That's according to market research firm NPD Group. Well, um, as a result of all of that, you may be seeing more of these kind of events, if you will, at your favorite retailer. Um, retailers like Super Value, Target, Walmart, Sam's Club, all the, the places that, that you would end up shopping. Well, uh, some of them um, actually have created up to as many as 20 seasons, 20 seasons. And here you thought holiday was the season that you needed to pay attention to. Wrong. Uh, We've actually got a post-New Year's, a Super Bowl season, allergy season, back to school, back to college, cough, cold, and flu season, baking season, Super Bowl, New Year's resolution, lawn and garden, uh, gifts for children, and early entertaining decor that actually, believe it or not, happens in October. There's even a last-minute gift stocking stuffer season, health and wellness season, and yes, the focus on women's uh, breast cancer health screenings. There's a pink season that's in October uh, when National Breast Cancer Awareness Month is. Um, Again, all of this to kind of drive those impulse purchases. So be aware of that. Um, Retailers are also... Um, always looking at ways to drive traffic. Super Value actually is running a lab store. It's a model store not open to the public, um, where Sarah says that the third largest traditional grocery store company in the U.S. actually tests how new products look on shelves and experiment with seasonal displays for that very reason. Uh, This involves in-cap displays, as you can imagine, what products to feature, all of that, the color of products, you know, target has even said that the color of products like red um, really pops out as well as, you know, those really vibrant colors like pink and teal and things like that. 
So be on the lookout next time at your favorite retailer. See what kind of season they've created for you to shop. And look at how color plays a role, how ink caps play a role to really promote those seasons. It's really very, very interesting. Uh, again, that was an article by Sarah Nazar uh, at the Wall Street Journal. Okay, Alpha Moms. Alpha moms not only shop are power shoppers, they're power moms. They are the Gen Y target. Uh, so millennials, um, really more than 1.5 million of them, uh, they're employed full-time, median household income of over $120,000. You know, they see themselves as influential, uh, whether it's what they wear, what they buy, where they shop. They really feel like they impact their friends. They say they're confident. They embrace their individualism. And they're ambitious and motivated. They call themselves somewhat of a workaholic, wanting to get to the very top of their career. And they're willing to give up time with family to advance because they feel like they need to, sadly. Um, they always are looking for something new and change. But they do value quality and they'll actually pay a little bit more for that quality. They're shopping at Neiman Marcus, um, Ikea, Williams-Sonoma, Pier 1, and Nordstrom. They're driving Volvo, BMW, Volkswagen, and Jeep. And uh, they are reading magazines such as Wired, Vogue, W, Better Homes and Gardens, In Style and Time. They're watching CNN, Bravo, Lifetime, E, Discovery Channel, and HGTV. And they're online at CNN getting their news. They're looking at travel sites like Travelocity and Ticketmaster. Uh, they're watching a lot of movies because they're on at, at Netflix. Um, and they're looking at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So Alpha Mom, uh, very influential for sure. Well, my guest today knows a lot about women, a lot about gender issues, and probably a lot about that Alpha Mom. Um, Patricia Dayton is the director of the Center for Gender and Organizations, which is a research arm of the Simmons School of Management in Boston, really looking at a dual agenda of gender equality and improving business practices in the for-profit, non-profit, and government sectors. In addition, she teaches uh, gender leadership and management and non-profit management at the Harvard University Extension School and Principles of Management. Um, she is an advisor to, to many organizations and formerly um, was the executive director of the Council of Women World Leaders based at the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. Um, brings a ton of credentials to this topic of gender diversity. Looking really forward to talking to Ms. Dayton when Purse Strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is admedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Warning. Listening to WebmasterRadio.fm daily may cause webmaster insomnia and an increase in your company's profits. WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay up with us all night long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Well, welcome back to First Strings. Joining me today is Patricia Dayton, Director of the Center for Gender and Organizations. It, it is an, an internationally recognized research arm at the Simmons School of Management in Boston. Patricia does many, many other things. In addition, she teaches um, at the Harvard University Extension School and Principles of Management under the Graduate School of Library and Information Services as, as well. Patricia, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, you know, Purse Strings is all about women, and if there's ever a, a female expert, um, Ms. Dayton, you certainly are. Uh, before we get into the details uh, of today's conversation, talk a little bit, if you would, about the work you do at the Simmons School of Management. Certainly. Well, as, as the director of the Center for Gender and Organizations, I have a unique opportunity to advance knowledge about uh, gender equity and how gender equity and diversity and also how that can relate to making organizations more effective so we don't our work is really focused on what we call the dual agenda how do we increase gender equity and how does that make organizations more effective so we create knowledge through research we disseminate knowledge through publications uh, and outreach as speakers and consultants and trainers, and we are continually looking for new scholars to engage with us and uh, new streams of research that will inform us going forward into the future. Absolutely fascinating work. So if there's anyone who can answer this next question, I know you can. What do you feel are the biggest issues facing women as a gender today, really at that macro level? Well, that was, that's a fascinating question, and I, um, as I think about that, I think that the biggest issue, and there, are, and there are several out there, it's hard to select just one, but it really is the fact that even though we have many legal protections in place today to ensure that overt discrimination is no longer in place, that in fact there are many subtle inequities 
still in place in all types of organizations, th- widely throughout them, that have uh, an influence and interfere with women's advancement because they are based upon traditional structures, understanding of traditional roles, and it continues based upon persistent stereotypes of what what are the roles and the rights of women and what should women aspire to so that we, we continue to get locked into some of those stereotypes. They're very pervasive and hard to identify and to overcome. Mm-hmm. I think we also have uh, a, a wide um, and often not spoken about but still a great deal of problematic sexual objectification of women taking place and Clearly, the issue of the high number of women in poverty is another large one that that needs to be singled out and provided with much more attention. Well, and it's interesting that you talk about poverty because we know that um, uh, women as single head of household is just a growing demographic. And Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of inequities in the workplace, among them, of course, the pay inequity. Which, you know, just kind of uh, impacts that cycle of poverty. I'm sure that's one of the many things that you do look at there. Well, yes, and, I, and that's a, an excellent example to bring up because while we talk about legal protections in place, we know that that has not perfectly translated into wages and it hasn't translated uh, into uh, the ability for women who are often, you know, single heads of household, as you put it, and, and many others to put together the type of employment that gives them a wage to support themselves and their families. So it becomes a, a vicious cycle and something that we're looking at more and more. We, I think many uh, people in research around gender equity have spent a lot of time looking at the top levels of organizations and what are the barriers to advancement, and they're real. But we also need to start looking more at the bottom levels of organizations and what's happening there that keeps uh, many of these systems in place. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that kind of leads to my next question, because when we talk about women in leadership within corporate America, we know the numbers. Um, and you talked a little bit already about stereotypes that exist within organizations today and evil, even sexual, um, kind of that objectification, as you mentioned it. What do you say about women in leadership positions um, and those who do seek larger roles within their companies? What's kind of holding them back, if you will? Well, I think one of the things we need to be very careful about is making sure we understand that it's not the fault of the women. And that so often we we hear that uh, women aren't making it because they're, you know, there's this sense that something may be wrong with them. They really don't want the job. They really aren't comfortable with power. Uh, they don't want to work that hard. Those are all myths. Uh, they're not true, and our research indicates that very, very clearly. But there are, in fact, a number of structural barriers still in place in organizations that were created by men and for men in terms of the lifestyle that they have been and in many cases still are able to have in place. And some of those are not working well for women. And so when it doesn't work well for women, we tend to think there's something wrong with the women rather than there's something wrong with the structure of the organization. And we also know that um, there are a number of what we call in some of our most recent research second-generation issues that while we no longer have 
a huge amount of overt discrimination, there are many, many ways in which uh, there are gender dynamics at work that disadvantage women all the time because we have uh, areas of, of work that are still not considered, for example, women's work. And we have... Uh, we look at, for example, what's an ideal worker, and it's still the person who gives everything to the job and not to other parts of life. So sometimes when women make choices, for example, not to work 200% at their job, they're seen as deficit rather than the model and expectation that expects that level of work as the deficit position. And by the way, we don't think that's necessarily healthy for men either, mm-hmm. but it is a norm that is out there that's that's pervasive and is equated with success. Do you feel like that is inherent in why women are not reflected at the levels men are in C-suite, um, the C-suite role or even boards of directors? I mean, do you think that that is, the, the construct of those organizations is really what's keeping women from achieving that as opposed to... Um, because it does seem off balance, the 200% that you talk of, of kind of giving that to your job, as opposed to knowing that 100% is, is darn plenty well enough to achieve C-suite. I mean, what is what do you think is the dynamic from re- for reaching the C-suite? Is it that construct that's set up within organizations? Well, yes, and it's obviously much more complicated and more layered than that. That's one example. Yeah. But when you do have... Uh, an expectation that to to get to that C-suite position, you need to put in more than 100%. And and we recognize that that still is the reality of um, many organizations in our country. But if you're also the person who still has uh, and, and, and perhaps chooses to have the primary responsibility for family, there's a conflict and choices will be made. And when the choice is made, often women are seen as not being committed to work because they're making the other choice. So, excuse me. So, those are, you know, that's one of the subtle gender dynamics that uh, if, if there's excessive travel, if meetings are held at uh, really early in the day or really late in the day, whoever has responsibility for another part of life is going to be disadvantaged by that. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting to me, though, is I... As we've done research on Gen Y and kind of their approach to life, it's a much more wanting to get more out of life as opposed to getting more out of work. And I wonder if you've been looking at kind of the Gen Y dynamic and then in the millennial dynamic into the workplace and whether that alone is going to be enough to kind of shift that reorg that's going to be necessary. Also, the other thing, uh, just knowing that women are more represented on college campuses and in um, business, you know, in, in advanced degree programs and that, um, we're really seeing, you know, the majority being women. Do you feel as we just, as a mass, will have enough to kind of make that shift ourselves along with what's happening with Gen Y? Well, that's a, those are many questions in one sentence. <laughs> they are. I do a lot. No, I do think there is hope. I think that younger generations are, you know, men and women and younger generations are looking for more balance in life. And if they can hold that value, perhaps they will be able, as they advance in organizations and have the power to restructure organizations, perhaps they will do that. I think it's too early to really tell. And one of the things that we're aware of is that many 
people in that age group, not all, but many have what they call portfolio careers where they do a number of different things. But we encounter um, people who, especially some of the students who come back to our MBA program uh, after working a while, that the portfolio career actually isn't providing them with enough money or benefits, and they're looking for the, the one big job. So I think there's pressure on both sides of that. But I, I am hopeful, and I do see more uh, younger families being much more intentional about dividing up the responsibility for the family in very positive ways. And I think that critical mass of women in the workplace will make a difference once they achieve enough position, uh, enough power in their positions that they can also start making structural changes and uh, identifying the, the gender-related issues, naming them, and working with those. Mm-hmm. What what else do you think is going to be needed to really get to the heart of this overarching gender issue and, and really try to derive a solution? Well, obviously, I think there's no one thing that will put mm-hmm. it there. It will take many people who are committed to move forward in many different ways. Uh, one of the things we do see where there are companies that are, are making a significant difference is that they are holding their top executives accountable. And they are saying, you know, if we're more than just giving a verbal commitment to gender equity, then I want to see who you're hiring and why you're hiring and what was the search like and how did you handle the promotion and, you know, what, who's getting the sponsorship and is it the people who look like you and you're comfortable with or are you stretching and working to find the best talent regardless of whether that's female or male and shaping job opportunities are organizations that are looking at putting um, women and understanding that women need to be in positions that have an impact on P&L because that's where the perception of power exists and if they're excluded, mm-hmm. continue to be excluded from that, that can be problematic as well. So I think companies that and, and leaders in companies that become aware that there are all these gender dynamics still at work that are not overt, as I said, and you know, we're, we're past the the part of breaking the law with them in almost every case. But there's still a lot going on that has to do with who gets the best job opportunity, who gets the highest performance evaluation, who gets the promotion, what are the dynamics going on beyond behind that if those, in fact, are not being done with equity. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I do want you to put your CEO hat on because I know you were a CEO yourself and take a look at some companies that are actually doing quite a good job at diversity in the workplace. So more from Patricia Dayton when First Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. First Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. 
AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. From domains to digital marketing, social media to blogging, you can reach this broad audience by using what you're listening to now. Reach the thousands of internet marketers that download and listen live to the premier on-air and on-demand podcast network, webmasterradio.fm with the Internet Marketing Channel. Our ad campaigns are fully integrated with multiple avenues of exposure, from slick, effective 30-second commercials to detailed, informative 30-minute town hall meetings. Expose your products and services to listeners and podcasters of not just shows like Market Edge and Domain Masters, but anyone looking for ways to market their business with your product. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm to find out more. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. Joining me today is Patricia Dayton. She's the director of the Center for Gender and Organizations, which is an internationally recognized research arm of the Simmons School of Management in Boston. And Ms. Dayton, we've been talking a lot about uh, gender discrimination within corporate, um, within the corporate setting, what it's going to take to get women reflected at C-suite levels and also on boards of directors, along with some of the other underlying issues that you've identified that still exist today that are kind of keeping women from advancing to the levels that we know we're all capable of. Um, You yourself um, have been a CEO. Um, You've already talked a little bit about some of the challenges at that level, but can you be even more specific about what you think women um, in that role are experiencing when they've already maybe even reached the CEO level that could be just related to their gender? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think the biggest challenge is getting the job because <laughs> often the CEO role is still seen, as we know, the, the, the image of leadership is still seen as a male. So we have to get past that. But in fact, some women are getting the job. I was a CEO in the nonprofit sector, and I think uh, I know there are more women CEOs in the nonprofit sector than in the for-profit sector when we look at the large organizations, although the largest organizations in the nonprofit sector are still predominantly male as well. But getting the job, which is, means that you really have to have delivered 
and done a very good job uh, in all of the steps leading up to that. You need to be very articulate, have good communication skills, and be uh, understand the political um, aspects of the organization so that you can move through them appropriately. But challenges, I think, when women get into place, and we see this, in, we have several examples uh, we can look at, is there's this double bind that women are, uh, that happens to women. So that it goes back to the stereotypes. So women come into a high-level position, and they're likely stereotyped for how, they're stereotypes about how a woman should behave. So should she be gracious? Should she never raise her voice? Should she be extremely polite? What are the stereotypes about women's behavior? And then there's the other side of it. If she chooses to uh, act out of another set of behaviors, to perhaps be more forceful, to be more loud, to be curt, uh, she gets into a double bind. So if she behaves as a stereotypical woman, she's too soft. And if she doesn't, she's too harsh. And Mm -hmm. So it's a double bind that no matter what you do, somebody is out there to criticize you. What's interesting in reverse of that is that this rarely occurs to men, except if they're deemed too soft, that's deemed as being deficient because it's feminine. So you see how the deficiency is equated with a feminine approach. Mm -hmm. The, The other thing that happens is that in many organizations, and I think this is particularly evident in the for-profit sector, is that uh, in, a, in the large organizations, because there are fewer women, they have what we call hyper-visibility and hyper-scrutiny. So everybody's being, you know, if you get there, you're being watched, you're being criticized, you're being paid attention to in a way that men in those positions are not. So every day, male leaders lose their jobs, but the ones that make the news, unless they're really, really large organizations, are when the women leaders lose their jobs, because there are so few of them. And they are still being, you know, the question still arises, can a woman really do this? So it's, there are, you you really have to manage a lot of different tensions and a lot of different things. Um, And I think try to find your authentic self. That's one of the things we teach at the School of Management, an authentic leadership style that's done with integrity and that people learn how to learn how to deal with it. You know, and when you talk about people learning how to deal with it, I know you counsel many executives, both men and women, on the topics of gender, diversity, and leadership. And and getting them to learn how to deal with it is probably what you counsel them on. Talk a little bit about what you do coach them about and the advice that you give them that you really hope that they heed. I'd be glad to because that is a really important part of it. But what we, so we look at that from the standpoint of the fact that both men and women really need to deepen their understanding of what are the gender biases in organizations and how do those biases have an impact differently on women than they do men because they will always disadvantage women. So we need, we really need people to be uh, have a commitment to identifying what the acknowledge that they exist, identify what they are, and this is hard work to do. But then, if you can interrupt them and change them, you get away from the idea of thinking that women aren't advancing in this organization because they don't want to, or they're really not as capable, or whatever the issue may be. We also 
think that people in positions of power, especially male bosses and mentors, because there are so many of them, really need to be more intentional about investing time and energy in sponsoring women with high potential in their organization. So often men with high potential are sponsored really well, almost naturally, but Mm -hmm. an intentionality about identifying the high potential women would make a lot of difference as well. And we think women also need to be strategic about seeking out sponsors and mentors so that, you know, if they're feeling they're not getting that benefit, that they can uh, be intentional about doing that. We also think women need to form networks of people uh, who can help them in their career advancement and whom they can help in their career advancement, Uh, being very intentional about that. These are things men have been doing for years, and we see that it's been very successful. So let women now understand the value of the sponsor, the value of the network, and make that work for themselves. It's clearly working at various corporations across the country. I'm sure you see these examples all the time, and you probably even counsel them through it. What are some examples of diversity in the workplace that you would like to see other companies kind of model that are out there right now doing a great job? Well, one of the things that I'm aware of is the fact that when, as I mentioned before, when the highest levels of executives are held accountable for bringing high-potential women along in the organization and actually tying that into their performance reviews and performance evaluations, it makes a difference. So accountability is a huge one. And there's also a growing interest in the pool of people and companies that are successful and insist upon a diversified pool of, of candidates being delivered to them. They will also do more hiring because they'll have more exposure to women with great potential and the opportunity and great skills. Uh, So those are two things that I think are extremely important, making sure that the pool uh, covers uh, people, uh, you know, all people and, and has an emphasis upon finding women and accountability for it. What are some maybe last words of advice that you might have in general for companies, um, people in positions of power at companies, many of whom are are listening today, that you think would really, uh, along with what you've already said, really help them start turning this around? Because there's so much work that has to be done. It's not easy. There's not a silver bullet. Um, There's many things within organizations that need to be addressed. Where should they be starting? Well, there isn't a silver bullet. You're absolutely right. I think they should start with a real self-assessment of where they are and look at whether or not they're, they're ready to commit the human and financial resources to the advancement of women that they may verbally be committing to. But my guess is in a lot of cases they haven't made other commitments to that. Um, one of the things we see is that when um, budgets get cut, programs that are put into budgets to help the advancement of women are cut right away. That happens very early. So does that have to be that way? I, you know, they're just questioning those things, questioning things that are taken for granted. But also, you know, not only diving deeply into an organization, doing a good self-assessment, and be data-driven. I mean, we, there are so many ways in which we can just pull this, well, we have a woman here, so you see it works. Well, if it's one out of 100, then what's working here? You know, mm-hmm. but I think uh, one of the things we need to use is the is data very strongly, so that 
we can see what's actually happening. Use that for people in positions, use it for salaries, use it for promotions, see what that story is telling you. And then learn what these subtle gender dynamics are around the way work is structured and the way jobs are structured and all of those things that come into play. It's a lot of work. It will take a long time. But I also want to say we are making some progress. I feel as if we're a bit stalled at the very top in the corporate sector, in the C-suite advancement. We need to find what's going to be the next thing to break us through that. But we are making progress. Well, and of course, the great work that you're doing there at the Simmons School of Management plays into that as well. Thank you so much for your efforts on behalf of all of us um, within companies and organizations that are seeking to really um, kind of uh, make a level uh, playing field. We appreciate all the work that you're doing this day. And thanks for being on the program today. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on. I wish you great success, continued success there at the Simmons School of Management. And thanks to George for another great show. Join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And until then, make it a great one. 